Alright Ray, it's that time of the year. Can you believe it's episode 50 of Tunes Mate? Amazing, right? We've got, this is our 50th. It's like a milestone. And for I Christmas. Know. For Christmas. <laughs> celebrate. So today we are going to count down our favorite 1980s Christmas songs. And of course, the 80s had so many, so many Christmas songs. And I, it was, once again, when we do these lists, Ray, it's always so hard to narrow it down. Like, you know, how, how do we come up with the top five? So I'll tell you before I tell you what my top five is. Yeah. These were my key ingredients. One, it had to be an original song. So I don't want any remake. So no remake. So that threw a lot of them to the ground. The other one there is if you listen to it today, it's still getting played. Because there are a lot of songs that came out in the 80s, but they don't play them anymore when it comes around Christmas gotcha. time. And I also threw in that it charted because there were a lot of songs that were Christmas songs. And sure, I'm still counting like it could be like 15 years later that it charted. Okay. Not necessarily in the 80s. Those are my criteria, and that's why I landed on the top five I had. Okay. How did you come up with your top five? I just went with my favorites. I went with... Right. These are the ones that when they come on, I most want to listen to. I, mm -hmm. The ones that I find myself singing or if it's a because some of them, I guess only one or two of them are, uh, you know, traditional favorites are traditional ones that were, you know, kind of redone. But but it was like if I think about it, that's like the the version of it that I most like. And so I just yeah, I just went with my favorites. I love that. Yeah, I, I started there. And then for some reason, I clamped down on some criteria and that threw a couple out. So. I'll tell you what I have at number five. Okay. Number five is 2,000 Miles by The Pretenders. Now, okay. this is one of the songs that's in my top five that doesn't have Christmas in the title. Right. There's just something about this song. It's very unique. It comes in. It kind of fades in. Mm -hmm. And you don't think of it as the typical holiday song. This is one of those songs, when I hear it, I always listen to the end of it. I've even caught myself listening to this in the middle of the summer. And yes, I am one of those people that celebrate Christmas in July. <laughs> it's a good choice, you know, and the Pretenders have such a good feel, you know, and and that song catches it. So a worthy choice for number five. I can totally see that. All right. Well, what do you have at five? Well, it's interesting. You mentioned it, you know, doesn't mention Christmas. The the only one of my top five that doesn't have the word Christmas in the title is my one at five. And it's, it's one that wouldn't have made your list because it didn't fit your criteria. But, but I absolutely adore the way Annie Lennox sings Winter Wonderland on Eurythmics version of that song. You know, that's a song that's been done in, in numerous ways. Mm -hmm. You know, we know the old standards and old classics of it. And it's always sounds good lots of folks can sing it and make it sound good but like i i just think of when i'm out shopping for christmas presents and that comes on and that just makes it feel like christmas and and maybe it's there's there's a thing with me because i love you know that that put a little love in your heart by annie lennox and al green is one of my all-time favorites and mm -hmm. you know it's not a christmas song per se but it was in scrooge a christmas movie so maybe there's just something with annie lennox and christmas for me but that's uh, my number five. I love that version. Once again, I think we talked about this a lot about if you're going to cover a song, you should knock off the socks of the original. Yep. And I really think on that song, that's exactly what happened. Yep. 
it's timeless. It's played. I had actually a bunch of covers that jumped in here. One of the ones that just missed my list was the 12 days of Christmas by Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> it was just something. It always yep. makes me laugh, you know, and a beer in a tree. So <laughs> there were a couple here. Some of the, the covers that just missed the list. Winter Wonderland was definitely in there. Yeah, Twelve Days of Christmas was one that it, it actually just missed my list. It was in, it would have been at number six. Same so, here. Uh, yeah, that's bizarre. It's it's, it's uh, how bizarre, right? Um, but that's a different oh, song. But yeah, I mean, there, you're right. That that song is just so funny. I mean, it's just it just makes you feel good, right? You know, we talked about in our last episode mm-hmm. that idea of mood, right, and the idea of the experience, and that just puts you in a in a good mood. And so, yeah, that one, and, you know, there were some other ones like the Little Drummer Boy, the Bob Seger one, and I Saw Mommy yep. Kissing Santa Claus, the Mellencamp one. In fact, it's funny, but that A Very Special Christmas from the fall of 1987, right, that whole album, I mean, there were some new ones mm-hmm. like Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC, and then there were, you know, tons of uh, of remakes, and I could have basically said, it, we'll get to this, my my top two are not from that. But you could have done like my top two and then that album's like the rest. That album had so much good stuff to it and so many songs that get played over. Here we are 34 years later and so many of those songs over that still get played over and over and over again every Christmas time. Yeah. And I was so bad. I ended up I bought there was a part two album that came out a year later and then they had part three and part four and part five. Nobody remembers the four and five, but Cheryl Crow is on one of those. And then. It, yep. it was pretty interesting how they kept that series going for quite a bit. And I always looked forward to it. I, I love that series. Yep. Totally agree. It was really good. And that, that initial one really sort of set the tone really mm-hmm. well. Yep. So what do you got at number four? Number four is, is an interesting one. And it's Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses, which is okay. an earlier song from the 80s. But... It's kind of punk rock, ska, kind of a feel to it. But what I find interesting about this song is whenever it's played, it's in the background. You know what it is. You may not know exactly the title of it, but Mm -hmm. you always start tapping your foot. And whenever it's on, I don't change the channel. And actually, it's one of those holiday songs that most people, whether if you're heavy metal or if you're pop generally most people are like okay i like this song and the same thing for me is like when it comes on i just there's just something about it it's happy it's upbeat it's not the you know most notable song from the 80s but i like it yeah that i mean that fits the bill right like you said it it's memorable. It's something that, like you said, people don't even know that they know. And then they find out they know. And, um, (laughs) and this was hard for me because what kept flipping out at four was Brian Adams. Yeah. Christmas time. Yes. I like that song. And it just kept flipping in and out, in and out, in and out. And I said, no, if I, if they were, if I had like a arm wrestling fight, I think this one would, (laughs) would end up there. What was what was it year four? That's funny because at my number four is Christmas Time by Brian Adams. So uh, I remember I have this memory of being at a high school dance at my school, right? And I was like a, a sophomore in high school. I remember like 
like my best friend and his girlfriend were, were dancing and, you know, there was like a slow dancing going on. And then this, this was on and they were dancing to this and people were, you know, dancing to this. And I was just like, I had like this, this Christmas spirit and I was just kind of flitting around like, you know, all, all Christmassy with it. And, and ever since then, it's just always been like this song that, that just makes me feel good. That just makes me feel, I mean, the song itself says it, there's something about Christmas time, right. You know, and, it just makes me feel fulfilled. It makes me feel content. It makes me feel just happy and happy, not in like this excited way, but happy and just like a calm, cool, content. Yeah, this is Christmas and I'm good kind of way. It's a sing along. I mean, I yeah, catch no, myself, totally. especially around <laughs> the end. In the beginning, it gets you, but around yep. the end, he brings in so many different elements that you're just, you're hooked into it. And yep. it's so 80s. Like, oh, totally. This is it. Like, if you want to know what the 80s was, listen to <laughs> Well, you, you know, you're right about that sing-along. That's a good point. And the 80s sing-along kind of thing. I mean, that chorus is something about Christmas time. Some, right? I mean, it's like, it, it's not quite arena rock, but it's got that feel, right? Of like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine him with like a microphone in front of, you know, 40,000 people. There's some, we're waving it back and forth, right? There's something about Christmas time and everybody's singing along. You're right. You're exactly right. I hear it all the time and I catch myself and that's why it had, it was so hard, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just, once again, I looked at my criteria and there's something about Christmas time. haha. <laughs> but the, the element of timelessness, yep. I feel like you know, these, all these songs are still getting played and it's, they, they haven't faded. Yeah, well, and along those lines, uh, my number three is another one, and it it's the highest of all. I said, like I said, that that a very f- special Christmas album, I think, to me is just uh, that that initial one from the fall of '87 is mm-hmm. is so quintessential of, of '80s Christmas music, and this is the song for me that has the most resonance, and it's U2's "Christmas Baby, Please Come Home." I catch myself singing this song routinely, like not even at Christmas, like you kind of like you said you know, Christmas in July and you'll sing, you know, I'll just be standardly just walking about and something makes me think of Christmas and I'll be like, baby, please come home. You know, I'm, and I feel like I'm Bono and it, it's got that feel of just, it just catches that, that time. And like you said, it catches the eighties and I like you too. So that I'm sure plays a role here, but it's the, the one, the song, and there's so many of them off of that very special Christmas that mm-hmm. could have made this list that almost made this list. And this is the one that really just just resonates with me. And I had it in my list, but once again, since it's a cover, it fell right. out. But there is something about the way that Bono starts it off. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he's talking and you're just mm-hmm. you just sucked right in. Yep. And the video yep. is another classic where it's a lot of live footage, but yep. it just draws you in and it really it, what it reminds me of when I see him in the video, I'm like, did they just walk off the streets that have no names? Like, I literally, I wonder if they just walk from one video setting to another and just, just keep it rolling. <laughs> well, you know, it has the feel, because this is at the same time that they were, uh, you know, Joshua Tree had just had its great success that year, and they were putting together what would become Rattle and Hum a year later. So this is, you know, that, that album, come, the, the very special Christmas comes out a year before Rattle and Hum. And of course, Rattle and Hum was sort of a, 
uh, it was almost like a documentary album, right, of their experiences on that tour and getting to the heart of rock and roll and American heart music. Heart of rock and roll, Hugh Lewis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of different feel, but <laughs> but well, but that's the the feel they were going for, right? That we're gonna we're gonna explore the roots of American rock and we're gonna try to feel it, you know, while we're doing all this, and we're gonna film it and we're gonna put this album out that's like it. And if you look at the the videos from Desire and Angel of Harlem and When Love Comes to Town, right? This is setting the, the Christmas Baby, Please Come Home is setting the tone coming out of Where the Streets Have No Name, which was their hit that was out when this song came out and that, that album came out. Coming out of that, like you said, it grows right out of that and it leads them right into In God's Country, which is the next single, the last single off of... Uh, Joshua Tree, and then right into Rattle and Hum. It really sort of yeah. helps create the narrative all in there. And that video, like you said, fits right in there. Yeah, I mean, I have such vivid memories of it. And you know, we talked about this probably at ad nauseum on this podcast, but that love of you 2 that love of Van Halen. And unfortunately, Van Halen doesn't have a really a good Christmas song. <laughs> so uh, well, this is probably where U2 definitely has the upper hand in this countdown. <laughs> Yeah, they did it. So what's uh, your number three? All right, so my number three is sort of like Nickelback and cilantro. Either you love it or you hate it. And it's Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah. So this song, you, I find myself throughout the year going in my guitar, playing the, the, don't, 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 (laughs) don't, like playing it all the time. And you hear this song, you shut it off, if this unfortunately is the last song you hear on the radio, you can't get it out of your head. And typically, my the way I get a song out of my head is I sing another song that can like zero it out. <laughs> and I have yet to find anything that can zero this out. It's just the, the song; it just it gets stuck in your brain. And that's I think why a lot of people don't like this song anymore because once you hear it, you just you end up humming it all day long. Yep. And it's a Beatle. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the John Lennon, that was released in the 70s. Yeah. So it didn't crack in here. This was well, all McCartney's response. He said, all right, John, you had a big Christmas hit? Guess what? I'm going to make one that outdoes yours in your brain. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. So there's so much to say here, right? I mean, literally, you've given me like, three different things to talk about here. And one of them is now technically the song came out in late 79. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of, I mean, I think it counts because it's really, you know, the winter of 79, 80, it's the start of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, though technically it came out in 79. Mm-hmm. And I think your point about that it's McCartney versus Lennon is important here because if you think about the feel of, his song versus happy Christmas war is over. Right. Right. Lenin's Lenin's is this political thing, right. That's, you know, about war is over and, you know, let's all have a happy Christmas and, and, you know, and it's been turned into, I mean, you know, all kinds of folks have redone it, Sarah McLaughlin and, you know, you name it. And it's been turned into something less political than that. Kind of like imagine, you know, the same kind of way they've taken a lot of Lenin songs from the the seventies and, you know, turned them into something that's more sort of pop fairish, even though they were pop, but they had a, this sort of, you know, social or political element. So here's, I mean, this is quintessential. Lenin, where did Lennon, where did John Lennon go? And where did Paul McCartney go? Right. So, so Lennon went down the road of political activism and all this other stuff. 
And McCartney, though, he's got, I mean, he's got his own forms of activism, right? You know, his vegetarianism and everything else. But, you know, he went the road of, I'm going to write these sort of quintessential pop standards. So stuff from the wings is like quintessential 70s pop music. And it's love songs. I mean, that song, right? You know, uh, just another silly love song. I love you. There's your earworm to get this Christmas song out. You go to one of his other ones. You go to silly love songs because that I love you. My kids know that because I sing it to them all the damn time because it's just there to be sung, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say I love you. I turn it into a song and I'm singing the singing wings before I know it. And so his Christmas song is exactly like that. And so this is the third point. You're exactly right that it's that love it or hate it. Though I'll tell you, I'm kind of the exception in the sense that I went from one space to another. Like 30 years ago, that song came on and I was flipping the station because I didn't even want, like the sound, that burn, 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 that sound just annoyed the hell out of me. Right. And I didn't even want to hear it. And then I thought the song was just flaky. I'm like, simply having, it's like a bunch of elves just standing outside, donking their head and uh-huh. singing to me. And I was like, oh God. And now, like I listen to that thing and I want to hear it. And I, I'm singing along with it and I'm seeing, oh, this is kind of cool. And so, you know, maybe it's, you know, that I'm <laughs> almost 50 and that's what I have to do with my life now. But, but I see what, I think you're exactly right. It's that love it or hate it. And it does, it gets in your head and it sticks there. You can't get it out of your head. And, and that leads into my number two. <laughs> which is Last Christmas by Wham, a.k.a. George Michael and the gang. But it's like, what the heck? You know, this song. And the thing about Last Christmas to me is interesting. Is It's the keyboards. And whenever they remake yeah. it, Taylor Swift, whoever, they yeah. always take that out. I don't understand, but it's yeah. that. And then every remake's like, we're going to take that out. Well, guess what? You just lost the essence of the song, in my opinion. Yeah, I, you know, I like Taylor Swift a lot, and I think she does a lot of really good stuff. And her song, her her remake of it is fine. I mean, it's okay, but you're exactly right. It loses something, just as so many of the other remakes that you talk about lose something, because that keyboard part is what makes it not only makes it '80s, but is what gives it its feel. And I think you're exactly right in what you're saying. Interestingly. You know, this past year, the past, well, two years, The weekend has had the, uh, you know, this string of hits mm-hmm. with these songs that have this 80s feel to them, right? So Blinding Lights did, and then Save Your Tears had this real 80s feel to it. And part of it is, it feels like a George Michael and Wham song. I listen to Save Your Tears, and I can hear George Michael singing it. And there's a reminiscence, I think, of that song to Last Christmas, and I think you're exactly right then to point to the keyboards as so fundamental to that song that when you take it out, you lose something. And so it's actually at my number two, too, because I can't get away from that thing. It's so good and so memorable and so quintessentially 80s. And 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 it's 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 significant, too, right? It, it has lasting significance. And they made a movie, what, a couple of years ago out of it, and they used a bunch of George Michael and Wham songs throughout the movie, and they... The last group, you've got Whamageddon, right? You know, the idea that you you see how you start December 1st and see how long you can see if you can make it to Christmas without hearing the original. And this year on December 2nd, I heard it in Meyer. I realized what I was hearing and, oh, I'm done for this year. 
okay, I guess that means I can enjoy the song now. And there's a recent Jonas Brothers song. I mean, Leave Before You Love Me, yeah. I believe it has the same riff yep. from Last Christmas in it. I think that's why people like it. So I really like that song. It's Marshmallow and the Jonas Brothers, and I really like that song this year. And uh, it's got that, that feel. It's certainly got the feel. And, uh, and that's part of the appeal that it had to me. Yep. I think you're spot on. Yep. Well, what was it your number one? So my number one is, you know, I'll preface it by saying this. The song is actually kind of problematic. I mean, it's really, it meant well. And yet looking back what we know now, it, it was, you know, it was kind of problematic. I, I'll put it, we can talk about it in a moment, but there's still a certain feel to it. And it's, to me, it's the 80 song of 80 songs among Christmas songs. And it just, I sing it. I, you talk about the sing along factor. I, I have to sing this song when it comes on. I sing this song when it doesn't come on. I, it's got memorable parts. It's just, and, and of course it's got a cast of thousands. It's do they know it's Christmas by Band-Aid. And I selected the same exact number one song and it's the same exact reasoning and one thing I found fascinating, I didn't find this out until maybe a year ago, that Phil Collins laid down the drum riff. I read his autobiography, and he basically mm -hmm. said he did it in one take. He sat down. You know, this was Phil back in 1985 <laughs> where he's flying around, right. he's doing Genesis and his solo act, and he's doing Eric Clapton, and they said, can yep. you come in? And he sat down and laid down the riff. And I think about that without that drum riff, I don't think this song is the same. It's kind of like the keyboard riff from last Christmas. You pull out Phil Collins drumming. Do they know it's Christmas? You listen to that and you're like, it's, it's not the same song. I think yeah. it's amazing you did that in one take. So that's why yeah. it also has a little folklore to me and I really like it. Yeah, I think you're right about the drum. That drum um, really drives the song. The, you know, the drum line drives the song. And I think about what my probably my favorite Christmas album of all time is Bare Naked Ladies from like mm. 15, 16 years ago. And they do a remake of this and they really try to, they just keep it kind of true to it's, it's, it's parody in the sense of they're trying to remake the original by making it as corny as the original kind of can be. So mm. kind of in hindsight, 20 years later, okay, we look back at this thing and it's kind of corny in some ways. I mean, some of the line, I mean, you know, again, it, it meant well, right? It was Bob Geldof, you know, trying to provide aid for Africa mm -hmm. and hunger in Africa. But, you know, do they know it's Christmas? Well, you know, many of them aren't, they don't celebrate Christmas. I mean, that you know, so, you know, there won't be snow in Africa. Well, there are places in Africa that have snow, right? You know, and Bono's line, thank God it's them instead of you. God, that's kind of mean, actually, when you think about it, you know. So it's got these elements to it that I said are, are kind of, problematic in hindsight and it kind of gets it gets spoofed a little bit in the sense that it's if we want to make fun of the 80s this is an easy way to do it and it's that i've seen that in films and stuff and so bare naked ladies do that it's sort of this we're going to try to earnestly do this as if it's 1985 and we're doing it and, it, and it's fun and I, it's part of the thrill of that album mm -hmm. so it, it the song has that element to it to me but i still just i love the song i can't help but sing along to the song i can't help but feel as you said that driving drum rhythm and the, the feel of the song all the way through yeah i mean it's like you said there's i think there's a lot of problematic <laughs> lyrics for a lot of 80s songs yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. i mean you go back and you go hmm uh i don't yeah. know what they were thinking there but right. this song this was 
kind of the we are the world of yep. Christmas songs. And then our one that I know we're going to have to do a 90s countdown someday. But there was the one it was um, stand strong, stand strong, oh, you know, prom- voices that care. Voices that care. Yeah, voices Back that in care. 91 for the Gulf War. Yeah. Voices that care. 91. And yep. to me, that was kind of a throwback to these these eight, like, hey, let's get together, you know. 70 celebrities yeah. in a room and each one gets like two seconds of a song go will smith yeah. and you're like what just happened yeah you know that was i remember that and it peaked at number 11 you know it was like this this attempt to redo what they did for usa for africa and just you know probably because the gulf war didn't resonate in the same way that you know uh the the hunger in africa thing did in 85 you know here we are six years later and it didn't resonate in the same way and just uh, the timing wasn't there and then that that's that ship had kind of sailed a little bit right mm-hmm. by that point and we had had as you said do they know it's christmas and and we are the world and stuff and so this was yeah it was like this okay yeah let's try to do this again and it you know and it, it kind of flew up the chart real quickly to 11 and then kind of you know burned its way back down really quickly it was one of those for us a month or so in the spring of 91, it was, it was really big. And then boom, that was gone. And, yep. and, you know, they tried to remake, do they know it's Christmas yeah. back? Yeah. I think it was like a UK, you know, let's, let's do it again. And I think it was pretty recent, maybe five years ago, something yep. like that. And it just, it just wasn't the same. And I think once again, it's because the drums, I really think they, they had, they had the singers, they had everything else. Just that magic was just not captured again. Oh yeah. Well, I think I think also just that the environment in the mid '80s was right for this. It was just you think about the the pop charts mm. and the the sort of right diversity of styles that was kind of hitting right. This sort of I mean, certain certain ways it wasn't diverse, but in some ways it was right. So that the Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie and Cindy Lauper and Kenny Rogers and all could you know could all kind of, and Steve Perry and Bruce Springsteen, you, you name it, right? We've got this sort of mishmash of, of, of different types of voices and styles. And, and that, that kind of hit at that time period. And then, um, and it was sort of the way the, the music industry was at that point. And, and I think you could probably even go to sort of the, the culture of the times and, and what was going on. And the way things are fragmented in the music industry in the last decade or two, it doesn't work the same way. And I, I think, I think the potential could be there to create, recreate something like that. You know, they tried the, the, the 25th, 50th anniversary, we are the world. And it, you know, I mean, it got some, mm-hmm. some notoriety, but it wasn't the same as the, the original. Uh, that's all Justin Bieber's fault, but, but no, but you know, it, it I mean, it just didn't play out the same way, but that's because it was trying to redo something. I think you would have to, I, I think you could catch that spirit, but it would have to be a new cause. It would have to be a cause that resonated within the fragment, the fragmentation that is the contemporary music environment. And it would have to be the right set of artists coming together to do it. And I don't know off the top of my head what that would be, but I think you could, we could probably play around with this someday. Like you said, maybe we could do a, a podcast. We talk about voices that care and we are the world and, and, and try to speculate on what, that would look like i'd be interested maybe in that'd be a kind of interesting thought you know sort of thought process but but uh but yeah there was a thing that was going on at that time in 85 that really made this stuff able to hit 
yeah, like you said, I think it's this the combination, the cause, the musicianship. The, so it's definitely a, a timestamp, but it is a timeless 80s Christmas classic. And it is still being played, it feel like, around the clock around this time period. So there you have it. Top five 1980s Christmas songs. We hope you enjoyed it. Happy holidays from everybody here at Tunesmate. And coming up soon, we're going to have our countdown of the top songs from 2021. So stick around for that. Hope you're looking forward to it. And once again, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow our blog. Once again, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.